This is a Barita podcast, which is a medium for information purposes only. This podcast is not a recommendation to buy or sell any securities. This isn't a research report, nor intended to serve as a basis for making any investment decisions. Contact a licensed investment advisor before making any financial decisions. Let's get into the Barita podcast. Right. Thank you for joining us again for another episode of the Barita Podcast. Remember, you can catch up on our former conversations at www.barita.com slash podcast. So today we're going to be dissecting uh, in a longer form, uh, the longer version of what we did before, a couple of Barita top stock picks. And, you know, we have the crew with us again. So I'd like to introduce Darren McGregor who is our Head of Investment Research and Portfolio Advisory. We have our Muirhead, who is our Manager of Investment Research. And we have our very capable investment analyst, Ambre Huslin, with us today. Thank you very much for joining me again, gentlemen. Thank you, Robert. Yeah, man. So, you know, we would have had a, a, a quick conversation uh, about a couple top stock picks just now so we just want to look a little deeper into the same companies so jim and b and i start with you our you know looking looking at the numbers we see where the the company in its last set of financials ended um december of 2021 it showed losses on debt instruments measured at fair value through other comprehensive income uh of 5.3 billion dollars and that's relative to a gain of $8.9 billion the, the period uh, year a year before. So last quarter of the prior year. So that's a swing of $14.2 billion to the downside. Should investors be concerned about this? Yeah, that's a really good question, Ron. Uh, and the, sh- the short answer is no. So generally, what sign- signals the investors if they should buy a stock generally is earnings per share growth, right? Or EPS growth. And the EPS is based on profit from the, the trading at profit and loss account, right? Yeah. Which is considered separately from what you just described, which is other comprehensive income. Now, just to be clear, other comprehensive income is important. Mm-hmm. But the losses affecting other comprehensive income are unrealized. Meaning, to the extent JMB does not sell those debt securities that you described, the trading profit and loss account, and therefore EPS, as I mentioned earlier, will be unaffected. And they can likely sell strategically those debt instruments mm-hmm. once they're in a position to make a gain as opposed to the loss that you you just mentioned. So, no, that is the answer. Okay, so not worried. Um, but, I mean, just to follow up on the strategic sales, et cetera, et cetera, I mean, how do you feel about your typical debt portfolio in the current interest rate environment? All right, so the typical, the typical portfolio or debt portfolio within this environment will be seeing quite a bit of price compression, right? Mm-hmm. So interest rates are going up 
And typically when that happens, prices for debt instruments come down, which is what has been likely driving the losses that you've recognized in other comprehensive income. So over the near to, to medium term, I think it would be quite difficult for, for most companies within the, the financial space to, to basically sell debt securities at a gain, right? So it would be difficult. Notwithstanding, that doesn't mean it's it's impossible, right? So by you know monitoring the market, um, watching um, the market closely, then opportunities do present themselves for these companies to sell some securities at a gain. Um, additionally, um, a lot of these companies don't just have debt securities; um, some of them have equities as well, and this provides an opportunity to to basically make some gains in the equities market. Um, FX market as well. So there are other avenues for the company to continue making uh, trading gains, not just debt. Okay. And so in terms of making trading gains, right? I mean, without getting into too technical a conversation about duration and, you know, just the construction of the portfolio that's not disclosed, the, the ability to bring in new funds, I imagine, is. Uh, competitive positive in terms of the company being able to operate in this trading environment correct yes um so to the extent they can bring in new funds they can they, they can benefit from the rising interest rate environment with the incremental dollars that they bring in uh so that's a very complicated question because it depends on the construction or the, the composition of the, the company's balance sheet. Now, while that is the case, what is important is that they bring in that funding, right? Mm -hmm. Because remember, banks and bank-like institutions generally grow their business, grow their assets by getting money from the public. So just to be clear, uh, JMB generally funds its operations, its business, using repurchase agreements and deposits. And just to, just to be clear, that is funding. That is just cash, right? Mm -hmm. Cash that comes from outsiders. So persons that banquet JMB and uh, corporates that might want to buy a repurchase agreement. So that provides funding. Now, over the last three quarters, JMB has increased its funding from repurchase agreements and deposits again these are just these are just fancy words to, to say cash coming into the business so that has increased over the last three quarters by 74 billion dollars mm. so just for a bit of context for the entire 2021 financial year that means all four quarters of the, the previous financial year they brought in about 72 billion dollars in terms of funding right so for just three quarters out of this year they've already brought in more than they did in the prior year, the full mm. 12 months, right? So that means that within this environment where things are a bit tight, you know, inflation, high interest rates, low liquidity, all of these things happening, JMB has been able to increase its cash inflow, its funding, its deposit repurchase agreements, whatever you want to call it, by $74 billion ahead of what it did last year. And that puts the company in a pretty good position uh, to, to grow its assets and thereby have some maneuvering capabilities within this, this environment. 
yeah, we see in the last quarter of the financials, I think the the published numbers show deposits and repurchase agreements growing by 24% um, compared to the prior period the year before. So the, the question, so how important is that ability to fund itself? Um, and and how are they able to do that? Okay, good questions. Very good questions. So I'll, I'll, I'll tackle the, first, the, the, the latter first. Their capability or their ability to do that simply means that they have a very solid sales team mm -hmm. that understands the capital markets. They also know they, their clients and how to keep the clients within the business and prevent them from switching to competitors. So that's important. It also means that the business has likely formed such a good relationship with clients and, and customers alike that people just feel comfortable placing their, their cash at JMB. So essentially all, it comes down to relationship building um, and maintaining that relationship. So when, let's say, a large institution or a large corporation has a sizable amount of money and they need to place that somewhere, it's the relationship that's going to say to them, let's put that at JMB, as opposed to, let's say, um, another financial institution. Now, the, the other question as to why it's important for them to increase their repos or their repurchase agreements and cash, which, as I've said before, repurchase agreements, deposits, these are just cash funding, right, that the bank um, or JMB utilizes. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that in a sense tells you why it's important, right? The more money JMB gets from deposits and repurchase agreements and other funding sources, the more assets the company can acquire and those assets are then used to generate income that ultimately benefits shareholders. So they get that cash from persons, um, institutions, corporations. They use that cash to acquire assets and then those assets earn income for the company and therefore for the shareholders. Okay. Okay, great. So, so you like the brand and um, you like their ability to raise funding and, and then all of that bleeds into an ability to earn income for the shareholders. That's fair? Fair. All right. So, JMB owns a significant stake in Sajikor Financial Corporation, correct? Yes. But the December quarterly financials didn't show a share of profit from associates in the profit and loss statement. Uh, why is that? So before I answer, let me just uh, kind of you know make that a bit simpler. So because JMB owns more than twenty percent of Sajikor Financial Company, the accounting rules say that they can account for that. Let, let me just say the exact percent is twenty three point two percent. So they can account for that twenty three point two percent of Sajikor's profit on their income statement, right? So, just to repeat, because they own 23.2% of Sajikor, they are able to report 23.2% of Sajikor's profit on their income statement. So that's a benefit to the shareholder. Now, there were some timing issues as it relates to the reporting of the profitability of both JMB 
and Sajikor in December, right? So the December would have been Sajikor's financial year end. And we know that that generally leads to um, numbers being audited, etc. So that would have taken some additional time. Um, and there are regulatory requirements as it relates to how long companies can take to publish their financials. So generally, for timing issues, the financial statements were reported by JMB without having the, the actual numbers from Sajikor at the time. But the time has now passed and we now know that it was a significant amount of money that would have come from mm-hmm. Sajikor and redounded to the benefit of JMB's clients and, and, and shareholders rather. Okay, okay. And the, um you know what what kind of what kind of figure can can they look forward to going for going forward and how how important is that that uh Sajikor stake to JMB strategy? Okay, so it's about one point four billion, well more than one point four billion. Uh, that's significant. Right? That's that's, yeah, that's that's profit, right? <laughs> that's tremendous, right? It's 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 a lot of money. Yeah. It's a lot of money that has not been reported and the market has not moved on it, right? So mm-hmm. I mean that's 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 weird. Mm-hmm. But the importance of Sajikor role is that it allows JMB to deliver additional profit and therefore value to shareholders mm-hmm. without actually doing any additional operational work to earn that profit. Meaning because JMB owns 23.2% of such a core, mm-hmm. it quote unquote gets 22.3% of such a core's profit and reports mm-hmm. that on its trading profit and loss account, mm-hmm. on its income statement. PNL. Mm-hmm. It's PNL, right? So essentially, JMB does not do anything from an operational standpoint, they don't have any expenses. Related mm-hmm. to that, they do not need to hire people to make that money. It just falls onto their, their income statement and benefits their, their their shoulders. At the same time, because they own that percentage, once Sajikor pays dividends, mm-hmm. JMB gets an equal sum in, in, as it relates to 20, 23.2%, right? So mm-hmm. that is cash inflows for JMB which can, of course, be paid out to shareholders as dividends. Okay. And I think I heard some talk about them wanting to repeat that kind of activity in terms of strategic stakes, acquiring other strategic stakes going forward. All right. All right. So you like Jim and Biawa? Yes. It's a good value proposition. All right. Fair enough. Darren, let's, let's move to you um, and, and, and look, talk a bit about Wisinko. So, Wisinko has 16,000 plus customers and, and it's a highly efficient operation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so much so that in financial year 2021, the revenues fell by almost $354 million, but operating profits grew, mm-hmm. right? By $542 million thereabout. Um, I mean, it, 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 it really is impressively efficient eh? and the company is a cash machine generating almost 4.7 billion in operating cash uh, return on equity north of 20 percent and declared dividends north of a billion dollars so if if i'm a long-time shareholder all that maybe makes me comfortable holding the stock but 
why is the stocker buy? Where will the growth come from? Yeah, man. So the growth for for Wisinko. So they have a, a very extensive distribution network, and you can say, well, you know, in, in looking at um, their reach in the Jamaican market, they're they've, they've pretty substantially covered um, the local market. But it's not really just about the distribution reach, but also about the products that they offer as well, right? And there's scope to expand on that side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we can say um, we're in the last financial year they, they moved to, to make a deal with Anhauser and Bush, um, which is an international beer company, which I mean has since been put on pause, but um, there's further steps with a local beer company to make some moves in that space because um, the, the, the beer market is, is one that they really want to get into. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there, there's scope to to expand their product line, whether it be from products that they themselves manufacture or through distribution partnerships with external parties, right? Um, that's one. Two, um, they have an extremely aggressive. Um, ex- their, their, their export um, growth has been very aggressive, mm-hmm. right? Um, triple digits in the last quarter. Um, okay. It's been double digits in the last financial year averaging 20% over the last three financial years, but 41% in the last um, um, financial year for 2021 and over 100% for the last quarter. So so their export pushes is very aggressive and it's very encouraging for future um, value for shareholders. Okay, okay. So, I mean, in terms of the exports, like how much, what proportion of your business is export now? Yeah, so it's still pretty small, um, about two three percent of, of total revenue, but um, that growth. I mean, it, part of why it's encouraging is because I mean we only have so many people in Jamaica. Yeah, but through yeah. exports, it, it really opens them up to a much larger addressable market. Uh, particularly if you look at our partners to the north in the US and in the UK. I mean, that's 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 a big potential reach. So. I mean, the degree to which they, they continue that that path um, on the export side, it, it, you can create a lot of value out of that. Yes, because that's what I was about to say. Because, all right, so at 16,000 plus co- large customers, uh, well, customers in Jamaica, including large ones, right? Um, how you feel about their their market share in Jamaica? I mean, are, are they approaching saturation or do you feel as if, you know, they have significant more room in their whole market? Um, I think the room that they have to, to grow in the local market, I mean, there is space. There's definitely space to, to grow in terms of um, their reach. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the big opportunities is through the introduction of new products, whether internally or um, through partnerships. Okay. And, but the, the export growth looks seems very encouraging. You said that they've maintained double-digit growth rates. Yeah, man. So, so over the last three years, they're averaging twenty percent, right? Okay, and I mean, it's it's not just about how high it is, but the fact that it's accelerating. Yes, yes. But then, and then the export market is is a a, a much more huge addressable market, much right? Like than the two point seven million in Jamaica. Yeah. All right. So we we definitely see a path. Mm-hmm. We see a path to sustain growth for Wisinko. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some person apart from that growth, you know, I mean. What's also encouraging is the fact that they're um, retaining more of each dollar that they earn. So if you look at their 
gross margin for the last quarter. Mm-hmm. They actually improved the gross margin um, okay. from about 34, 34.6 to 35.2. Similarly, with the operating margin going from um, 11.8 to 13.5. So we see that you know they're making more money, but at the bottom line, when you get to net income, they're retaining more um, of that um, revenue that they generate. So, so it really speaks to their efficiency operations. Okay, so they get to, to keep more of the dollars that they earn from sales, right? Right. Um, okay, so, so yeah, so all, all of this sounds quite quite encouraging for for Wisinka and Wisinka shareholders, Darren. And the the Anheuser Bush move is it is it just on pause or or have they moved away from it? Um, to my knowledge, it's on pause. I, I guess we have to wait for further details on that. But I mean, because of their scale and reach and, and just diversity of their operations, there's there's so many options available to them that I mean, it's, it's not it's not a make or break per se. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I think I mean I think the Anheuser Busch move was interesting mm-hmm. uh, from from what it from what it signaled, right? So right. is the Budweiser brand would have fallen under that, right? Um, I don't remember their brands. There, there, there are no more brands. I don't, I don't remember. If, because from Budweiser, yeah, I think Budweiser is one of them. From memory, I think they had some thing they were looking into with like Budweiser and Corona, which were those, those are brands that are very familiar to the American market, eh? Right, right. So, so for tourists, it would have been you know a, a big pull for them, I guess. Yeah, know, they want something a bit closer to home when they're here. And then the average tourists coming to Jamaica has significantly more spending power than the average Jamaican. Right, right. Yeah. But and you know that the fact that they were able to sign that deal, I think one of the one of the biggest things for me was that Anheuser Busch, this gigantic beer company, looked at Wisinka's operations and thought that it was it worth it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when we say it's an efficient operation, it really is world class, eh? Right, right, correct. Yeah. All right, so I mean things things looking good for for Wisinko. So um all right, well so that's why our team likes it. Thanks, thanks very much, Darren. Let me um let me try and move on. Amre. So you were telling us about all of the great things that you think about Tropical Battery. Um we you know just wanted to look look a little more at it and just ask ask a question you could help us to think through the 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 profit growth has been impressive right uh you mentioned it before and then in financial year 2021 it was over 200 percent right uh but the cash flow from operations which which measures the cash impact how much cash the company produces from its um normal activities uh, that, that, that's the cash flow from operations which basically measures the cash impact of net profits uh that's been negative uh, a loss of cash, if you will, right? Last financial years. How how should investors think about that? Uh, so, uh, I think that's an excellent question. I think it's an excellent question. So, yes, there has been um, a bit of concern where the cash generation has been. So, year by year, for the la- from the last quarter, year by year, there has been an improvement, um, albeit still negative, in the cash from operations. Now, one of the main drugs that has been on the cash has been that of the inventory. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have seen where the company has bolstered the army's inventories. At the end of the last quarter, in December 2021, which was the first quarter for this financial year, which ends in September, 
inventory would have been the highest it has ever been over any point in the last three to four years. No, mm. that's a bit impressive. Some might say a time of the money in inventory, but yeah. one of the externalities that we have seen from the pandemic has been that of supply chain disruptions. Okay. Now, we have seen volatility within shipping price. We have seen um, protracted lead times. And remember again, when book factory you know, is that they're looking for lithium ions, which is needed for battery, which is somewhat seen as a, they're having problems sourcing that as well. So okay. they're engaging forward buying. Now you might ask, what is forward buying? It's basically where a retailer or a distributor Purchases a large purchases a large sum of uh, inventory, so as to stock hold, so to edge against these volatilities and disruptions that they might have in the supply chain. I think it's impressive. Um, it puts them in a good position with their distribution network, so as to it re- reduces the possibility of having stockholds. So that has been one of the biggest jobs on their cash position. Now. I think, in my opinion, we're nearing the end of the pandemic. Um, I think we're going to be able to adjust. I think supply chain issues, albeit we're watching what's happening in Ukraine, I know that might play out as well. But I think supply chain disruptors, this supply chain globally will come back to normalization, however that may look. Now, with that coming back to normalization, our shipping costs somewhat falling now. I think there will be less need for them to be engaging in forward by that when that comes through i think that will ultimately aid in the cash position and we'll see because if it is that despite engaging in forward buying we have seen the gap the outflow of cash reducing from 90 million to 22 million for last quarter i think the cash generation part of the business will ultimately tie in so i wouldn't worry too much about it right now okay so in terms of the the build-up uh, in inventory and the drag on cash uh, from the build-up on res- in, in receivables. You, so you're saying that it's it's more a response to the global supply chain issues, yeah. as opposed which 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 makes sense. Um, so they're not they don't have any kind of fall off in the demand, the final demand coming from their customers. No, no, okay. no. Okay, and um, all right. So I mean, and and and. and that makes sense uh, and as far as the cash that the company has on the balance sheet it's not like the company is short of cash correct no it's not so as i said it's just one of these things that we have had to navigate as we mm-hmm. go through the pandemic i mean so it's just one of those things um, so i'm not worried about it um mm-hmm. and with the company going on its expansionary efforts again, its expansionary path, I do see that the cash position will improve. So I wouldn't be worried too much about it. And then you feel good about the expansion, right? In terms of the growth prospects, talk a little more about that. Yeah. So if you look at it, um, one of the issues that companies have complained long about is the, is the need for a cheaper energy solution, right? Mm. And we have seen where companies have s- said that renewable energy is somewhere that they will be willing to go into, but the cost of attaining renewable energy technologies has been a bit expensive. Uh, so if it is that tropical battery is able to be able to provide the renewable energy solutions for these commercial users, as well as financing it as well, I think it will bode well for them and for, uh, for stakeholders within that space. So I think there's growth to, for, 
um, within that space, uh, as well as as it relates to tropical mobility, in which you're looking to provide batteries for electric vehicles and charging stations. I think that will go well for them as well, given the fact that there's a bit of a fanfare around electric vehicles now. We see the Prime Minister saying that they're trying to have a holistic uh, a holistic approach to ensuring that we get there with green energy. So I think it will work well for them. All right. So the, the, the mobility and, and just the general uh more affordable energy solutions yeah. you think are are two pillars that will really drive tropical batteries growth going forward yes okay all right well there you have it there you have it gentlemen thank you very much uh for your for your insights um you know listeners i hope you will join us again same 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 place if not same time for new new insightful conversations uh, from all different parts of the marketplace and taking many different angles. So, you know, like we said, the past conversations can be had at www.barita.com slash podcast. And thank you very much for listening. And, you know, we'll be with you again. You've just listened to an episode of the Barita podcast. The Barita podcast is available on all Barita's social media platforms. If you'd like to invest with Barita Investments Limited, visit our website at barita.com or contact us at 876-926-2681 to get started. This podcast is not a recommendation to buy or sell any securities. This isn't a research report, nor intended to serve as a basis for making any investment decisions. Contact a licensed investment advisor before making any financial decisions.